0: Welcome to How To Feel Better with me, Ruth Kudsey. How you feel better is an inside job and we're gonna be delving into ways that you can enhance the way that you feel about yourself and lead a happier and more fulfilling life. I'm Ruth Kudzee, a master certified coach, best-selling author and coach trainer and I'm delighted to have you here. One of the things that I think is really useful is when we hear other people's experience and I'm very blessed to have Laura on this podcast having a very honest conversation about her health anxiety and sleep anxiety which got to a point where she had to go for help and what we'll be exploring is her journey to get that help and equally you know, recognising that anxiety is complex. I know that I've been a card-holding member of the Anxiety Club for as long as I can remember. And I have had many people tell me they can swish it away, they can get rid of it. And actually, that anxiety is always part of me. But it's about how I work with it. And I'm really excited to share this interview with Laura because we both understand that it is about the way that you confront and work through and process your relationship to things that can make a difference. And I personally don't think that anxiety as, as a term is always bad. It can be showing a things. So having anxious feelings, may be a signal that there's something else going on. But obviously, when it gets to a state where it becomes chronic, we need to get proper support. So Laura is sharing her journey, and I am excited to be part of this conversation where we really delve into what her solutions were, and now how she is helping others in that space. So Laura, would you like to tell everyone a little bit about you and what you do?
1: Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having me on here today. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of had a form of health or um, sleep anxiety pretty much my entire life since I was from like seven. Um, And I've always managed to kind of keep a lid on it. I think a lot of people with different anxieties, you can avoid certain situations that might trigger it. Um, And for most of my life, I was able to keep a lid on everything. Um, And it was sort of a few years ago, (laughs) the lid came off. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't really able to, um, I called it coping strategies, they were more sort of avoidance and, and, you know, staying away from it sort of thing. Um, And it all kind of came to a head a few years ago. And from then on in, I kind of said, that's it, I've got to absolutely face this now and and sort it out, really. Um, And the journey I went on from there, which I, you know, want to talk to you about today, um really transformed my life and how I actually see my anxiety and how I have changed my attitude towards it
0: yeah yeah okay so shall we go to that point when you were like I I know I need to do something what did you think about doing first of all Um, so I remember
1: it was about two and a half years ago, four years ago, and, um, it was sleep anxiety came out of the blue, out of nowhere, Christmas over new year. And I just stopped sleeping, Mm. (laughs) which is, that also doesn't help, you know, with general mood, if you're not sleeping days on end, it's kind of a compounding effect. Yeah. (laughs) And yes, to begin with, I was just, I did the initial things of like, well, I can't avoid it. (laughs) <laughs> which was a problem. Normally I'd be like, well, let's just avoid the thing that makes me yeah. anxious. Well, that was not gonna work. Um, so then I went down more of the, uh, let's go to hospital, let's get some medication, let's mm. just drug me up so I pass out type thing. And yeah. that's what I did first, you know, kind of firefighting as it were. Yeah. And it worked for, you know, sort of a few, like a month, I would say, um, mm. but these things are not sustainable. <laughs> and then they become you become dependent you become resilient to them and my problems were just waiting for me further down the line and they were worse because also then I had the but this didn't work I'm yeah I'm screwed forever you know and I think I'd always been on and off antidepressants my entire life um and they were kind of my crutch really Mm. without these I won't be able to function. I won't be able to do this, mm. and I am aware, like that, for a lot of people with different, you know, that mental health is very complicated. And for a lot of people, they need that. With my specific types of anxiety, actually, what I realised is I don't need that. Mm. It wasn't helping. It was actually just hindering me being able to live with my anxiety mm. rather than trying to fight it. If that makes sense i'm thinking i couldn't cope without it because i think that's the at the heart of a lot of this stuff with anxiety anyway this whole thing of i won't be able to cope mm. you know that catastrophizing worst case scenario what if and it's very much future based well, i, I try to find where it was i read this this kind of like secret to happiness and sort of sort of saying that you should live like 80 percent in the moment like in the present and sort mm. of 10 in the past 10 percent in the future type okay of thing um or thereabouts the general premise was be in the present type thing yeah 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 Yeah. and obviously with anxiety very much like 80 percent in the future catastrophizing Mm. something that may or may not ever happen Mm. and I think where the anxiety for my entire life had ruled me was that I was like I will not be able to cope if I lose it basically yeah I won't be able to cope with the thing I'm scared of and I won't be able to cope with the fear of the fear if that's sort of makes sense and so those met the medication I was on it kind of fueled that that was the a big turning point was having to break that and realize I could survive without them which was
0: interesting so how did you get to that point where you were able to break that and survive without that medication
1: mm. it was a long journey yeah <laughs> which really it only ended about six months ago when I was all like six eight months ago when I finally got off the last of my antidepressants because that takes a while to withdraw you know to come off anyway yeah well done. Um, it was <laughs> i did all the tra- a lot of traditional modes of sort of therapy which all helped to a certain extent and i think it's a if you're in this situation try a range of things mm-hmm. and see what works i know it's like oh, just throw money at this and that but if you don't have your mind i don't think you have much to be honest and okay. I threw the kitchen sink at it, basically. And you know, I was like, I will find a way. Um, mm-hmm. So I did all the traditional modes, you know, sort of the CBT. I did yeah. CBTI, which is uh, a form of CBT, but for insomnia. Yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah. I recommend if someone, you know, is really struggling with insomnia, take a look at that. Um, and that was a bit more specific, you know, than sort of mm-hmm. generalized anxiety. Um, and they helped quite a bit um but one of the big turning points actually was um I I was I kept having I still kept having a lot of this I won't be able to cope catastrophizing thoughts because a lot of the therapies I was doing relied on me still being afraid of it yeah it still very much on a, yeah you need to get this sorted type yeah thing. Like, oh, I do don't I and so it kind of fueled that um, and then I was Google, you know, when you get really desperate, it's the Google search, and yeah. I was like, right, help with you know sleep anxiety, insomnia, sleep anxiety, and I think it was like the tenth hit down. There was this guy who was an ex footballer, yeah. and he would have it, and he looked, he said, look, this is this is the system I use. It's really easy and it actually works. And I looked at all his reviews, and everyone was like, yeah, actually, one session jobs are good. And I tried hypnotherapy. I tried other things, mm. you know, relaxation, all this sort of stuff. And it all had limited effect. Yeah, I wasn't getting to the root of any of this stuff because I didn't have a trauma. I just mm. needed to work on my thoughts. Like it was that yeah. kind of OCD element of just thinking. So I spoke mm. to this guy and then I realized, oh, the stuff he's talking about, um, it's, it's also talked about in um, mindset, you know, Carol Dweck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. the end of the book, her steps talking about, you know, growth mindset, I was like, it's there again. Um, it was so interesting. Um, and then there's another book called Dare.
0: also
1: mm. author, it's behind me, but again, another sort of <laughs> seminal piece that
0: could go. Find it and put it in the show notes. Perfect. So Dare, okay.
1: Highly, highly recommend these um, because it took a completely different approach to how I thought about anxiety, fear. Really yeah. um and some of the premise of it was a big turning point for me was when I realised the goal isn't to like avoid these thoughts. The goal isn't to never have these thoughts because that's quite a difficult, mm. and almost impossible situation. Because yeah. I'm always going to have something like that in my life. Otherwise, I'm not growing. And I do think part of my DNA, it's in my family, and I'm going to have it sometimes. And I just have to kind of acceptance um you know it's about the acceptance of rather Mm. than the avoidance of yeah fearful thoughts you know and being able to say okay so what if i don't sleep tonight what if this mole on my back is cancerous that's a classic that's that's always what i like to go for Mm. um and it's kind of first off just going okay yeah that actually could happen fine Mm. yeah and you welcome that thought in, yeah. instead of the traditional response of, oh, my God, what if? Anything that yeah. starts with what if, it's just,
0: yeah. they're the worst thoughts. They are the worst thoughts.
1: <laughs> and they're very rarely based in reality, to be honest, or fact. Mm. It's quite interesting. Um, what if I do not whatever, you mm. know, insert your thing? And the first thing was, yeah, just welcome that thought in. Yeah. Like, embrace it. Don't respond with fear. Mm. And walk towards it. In your mm. mind walk towards it and just accept it yeah accept it and then the last thing and then just move on don't mm. dwell and ruminate that's the biggie it's ruminating mm. you can spend half an hour talking yourself off that cliff and then you're like i feel so much better in the short term and mm. then it just fuels that anxiety loop and around yeah. you go again because your mind has gone oh yeah this is important you are spending a lot of time thinking about this so we need to keep reminding you and oh, when I realized, okay, it's about changing how I respond to these thoughts and tolerating mm. them rather than trying to avoid them. Because trying to avoid them, doing everything I can to avoid just fuels it. It just tells my mind, you're afraid of this. Because you're
0: yeah. <laughs> well, it." Well, it's, it's, it's like when you, you know, when you're like, I'm not going to eat chocolate. And then all you can think about is mm-hmm. chocolate. And it's, it's a really interesting thing that we do to ourselves, isn't it?
1: Mm. Yeah, it is. And it's understandable and I get why we would do that. Um, and when I was in the midst of like having a, a panic attack or people call it adrenaline rush, you know, cause it's it, yeah. actually attacking you. Mm. Um, I remember, cause it's just such a horror, anyone who's had, you know, experienced that, mm. it is horrific. And part of what then fuels the rest of your anxiety is the fear of having that again and not being able to cope. And I remember in the midst of having one of those, you know, normally Mm. in the middle of the night, helpful. Yeah. Um, Really conducive to sleep, I find
0: that is Ruth, really good. Yeah, really conducive, (laughs) definitely. You're going to sleep really well, you're feeling like that. (laughs) And then wake up (laughs) rested as well. Yes, (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, What I would do, and I remember
1: reading this in Dare, book Dare, Mm. and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This sounds like a crazy idea. But I was like, well, I'm already kind of crazy. So let's just try it. Um, And he said, just ask for more Mm. in that moment. Mm. not in an aggressive way, not in a bring it, just in a, okay, more, fine, yeah, I can tolerate this. And you ask for more of the fear. Yeah. Because our okay. instinct is mm. to run, you know, the saber toothed tiger, our instinct is to run from something that is horrifically scary. Mm. But actually, you know, if you look at all these wildlife documentaries, you know, if you are ever chased by a lion, you stand up to it. Yeah, And it's the same principle when it comes to our mind. Mm. Mm. um fearful thoughts it's the same process as an actual thing that could kill you because my mind thinks that i'm gonna die Mm. if i sleep like it's that's literally what it thinks so i just have to treat it the same way i would in a nature documentary of which Mm. i would i kind of stand accept it and i ask for more as in i walk towards it yeah in my mind and i remember being able to literally shortcut that adrenaline rush Mm. And it would just drop immediately it was quite amazing to experience in my in my body at that point mm. um and with practice and consistency and I'm, this is the key with this stuff it takes yeah. time and it takes over and over again repetition of how mm. you approach these thoughts that are just intrusive aren't necessarily based in fact um yeah you know and i was like if i don't think about them i'm not prepared oh my gone like it's gonna happen regardless yeah and so just having that discipline of going through a process again and again every time you get one of those thoughts eventually they become less intense they become mm. less frequent and your mind kind of switches off the alarm bell yeah you know and for me the the last things to get rid of were the sleeping pills mm. Um uh, because they
0: work, right? And I'd Yeah, like, they work really well, <laughs> like really well. I
1: was like, doctor, please. <laughs> um, and I would only have them in certain situations and it was less and less, but actually they stopped working. And at the time, I remember being like, this is, this is the worst thing ever. I've kind of got a lid on it 90% of the time, but it's certain situations, mm. I like to have my crutch still. Yeah. And then they stopped working. And I was like, actually, do you know what? I think this is a blessing in disguise. You know, trying to be grateful um, and to kind of realize I could survive without it. And that's the thing really and truly, you know, you are managing anxiety when you can tolerate those Mm. thoughts. I used to see it as when I got those thoughts back, when I got my anxiety back, I'd failed. I was back at square one. Yeah, it was all over. Very black and white thinking funnily enough love a bit of that in anxiety mm. and to actually see the gray instead and go well no like the trick here is to tolerate these thoughts yeah you do the whole keep calm do it anyway feel the fear and do it anyway mm. they have a basis in some kind of you know evidence um mm. but for me i realized recovery was tolerating and getting through these and not dying showing my mind in the morning I'm not dead. <laughs> Look <at> me, <laughs> I'm still alive. I mean, yes, sleep would have been great. Yeah. I'm here, and um, I can still function the next day. And I actually, and actually, that brings on to a really interesting point about mm. I think some of the scaremongering around sleep. If we you know take the sleep anxiety anyone, and so many people have a form, you know, a period of sleep anxiety in their life, and you Google search, and it just brings up sleep hygiene. Yeah. Sleep hygiene. And um, it, all it does is compound the you need to sleep or you're going to die mentality, basically, you know, which is the thing we're afraid of. It's like, make sure you don't have caffeine, you know, after midday. Uh, yeah. All the lights are down. Don't have blue light. Um, don't drink alcohol. Uh, don't do strenuous exercise after da 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 da. Your bedroom should be this temperature. Because otherwise, yeah. these are the doubt, this is what will happen to your health if you don't sleep. Mm. It's like it's not a choice. It's like it's like yeah. It's, like I chose to not sleep.
0: So. It, it, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, we know all of this. like we know like sleep is the it's symptomatic of something. And of course, like not having caffeine after twelve and yeah. you know, having your bedroom as a sanctuary, and all of those things. But I can imagine that would really fuel your anxiety because you're like. Oh well, actually, maybe this is my fault as well. Like yeah. maybe I'm not, you know, if 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 I do all of this, and the problem is that if you do all of that, and it still doesn't work, it's still there, aren't they? Like, so it's like, it's okay, I can have, you know, my bedroom is a temple. I never look at blue light, I don't <laughs> yeah. drink caffeine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I still can't sleep. Yeah, and it's just another form of a crutch, right? And mm. if you
1: ask the best sleepers, they don't think about sleep for one. Mm. And they don't have any of that set up. Yeah. some of the best people i
0: know have a cup of coffee at eight at night you know it's it's not actually true <laughs> well i mean i always think with that italians just wouldn't you know ha- yeah. how do Italians sleep like okay right. and i know and i know there might be people going here well caffeine in you know it's not good but i'm like for every italian person i know and obviously it might be a stereotype drinks coffee in the evening and none of them have got problems with sleep so maybe there's something else going on here as well yeah, exactly and yeah. we know that caffeine actually can fuel our anxious thoughts mm-hmm. yes so, yeah. You know, may, maybe if we're susceptible to anxious thoughts then having caffeine mm-hmm. makes us more you know it, there's, there's mm-hmm. so many compounding factors and I think that's one of the things that's been really refreshing when you've been talking about this not only about all of the factors but also about the fact that there were so many different things that you tried and you tested and you looked at and then actually the thing it was kind of like staring you in the face was mm. I have to deal with it yeah exactly
1: yeah I have to deal with it and this and this is why I'm really grateful actually for my kind of breakdown I had four years ago nearly um because I couldn't avoid it anymore yeah Um, it was something that I literally couldn't avoid and at the time I was like this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me I'll never sleep again but it made me confront it and sadly there's so many people that have a form of anxiety in which they just limit their lives because Mm -hmm. they're not it it can be avoided you know I have so many friends that are afraid of driving for example so they just change their lives and adapt so they don't drive you know and a lot of people that and flying people just adapt you know Whereas when it's something that you literally cannot avoid, sleep, I was like, please know of all the things, but I'm really grateful for it now because it's had such a huge impact on the rest of my life. You know, but but I think for people to really go through, you know, you talk about the growth of the fear zone and all this mm. kind of stuff, people to really go through the forest, through the fear zone, you have to be either, and I'd love to have your view on this Yeah, you're kind of in, too much pain where you are, which for me was what made me jump out of the fire. Basically, because I was yeah. like, "This is untenable now." Yeah. Um, or and or you have to really want what's on the other side. Mm. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that kind of it's not enough push or pull that we sort of yeah. Face avoidance.
0: Yeah, motivation-wise, you just need to have it. You you need to know that you've got that level of motivation to enable you to move forward otherwise you're just not you know you're not you're not going to it needs to be bigger and this Mm. is the thing that we often stay in circumstances um we kind of put up with things don't we because either the what we want we might not really want that or where we are isn't that bad and I think you know, if we're thinking about the brain and, you know, we are always avoiding threat and moving towards pleasure. Now, if where we're where we're at is actually OK, it can feel like a lot to do something different because there could be a potential threat. So our brain will be like, well, you know, it's OK here. But if we know that we're gonna get this amazing amount of pleasure by moving here, that can be more motivating. But again, you know, it's it's so complex, isn't it? It's And I think it's so easy to go, well, so maybe they don't really want it, but actually maybe they're scared of what having it will bring them. So, you know, I love change, I embrace change in many areas of my life, but not every area. Um, so that fear of change, again, can put you into threat mode. And you're in your nervous system. And if you're in your nervous system, your thinking isn't as good. So it's it's so easy to go, you know, maybe they don't want it enough. But actually it's like, well, maybe it's really scary to want it. Maybe it's, you know, and, and so when we do have that catalyst that, that kind of gives us no choice, it makes things different and I, I always think of that like with my business as well like I was I was like messing around with my business for at least three years before I started it and it was only when I went back to work and realized that I couldn't like I, I basically couldn't really live the life I wanted to live you know and be a mom to my daughter and work there that I had that push now, if I've gone back and it had been fine, would I have done it? You know, we used to call it when we were doing leadership stuff. It's that burning platform. Like, what is the <laughs> yes. burning platform that you're <laughs> that you're going to get get off? Because yeah. if you haven't got a burning platform, it's so much harder, isn't it?
1: Yeah. No, completely. And and that's the thing. I think I'd had not my my platforms were simmering.
0: Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I was like, oh, it's all right. It's just a bit. Warm. Yeah, I can stay here. I mean, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, but it's not it's like okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but when mine literally set on fire, I was like, right, we've got to jump now. Yeah. Um, but I, And I think it is, it is interesting, uh, but I am grateful now. Now I'm kind of through the other side of of that journey because it has impact on, yeah, into my business, into mm. any uh, situation where something is scary. And it is like, do I want it enough or is it I'm worried about what that will bring or, you know, all of those things. And I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a really interesting interesting area but I definitely have a soft spot for people with sleep anxiety because it is unless you actually get access to the correct things to help you it can be something that goes on for a very long time Mm. and it's a burning platform for the duration. Yeah (laughs)
0: like so you've just touched on bringing it into your coaching because you've changed in Mm. terms of in terms of what you're doing as well haven't you?
1: Yeah so I'm I like change as well um (laughs) and (laughs) I'm kind of in a period of transition of where I wanna sort of take my coaching. And I always knew I wanted to go in and help people you know, kind of do sleep coaching and help people with fear. And mm. currently I still work as well within, you know, um, confidence and, and mm. fear that connected um, and helping people overcome that and be more confident. Um, but what I'm also looking at doing is uh, bringing in, now I'm in the right place to do it, bringing in sleep um, and really because I literally been on that journey you know if you're thinking what's your story what have you done I'm like that's 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 the big one that's your big that's yeah, your big that's thing the big one. Yeah. and I wasn't ready until now because I was like well what what if I get a relapse and then I got you know blah 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 so I really had to go through this process myself um and also I've just accepted that I will have a relapse and then that's fine yeah it can't scare me if I accept it right it's not being pessimistic it's just realistic I think um so yeah i'm sort of moving into that that area and looking to run and trial um, my sort of program with that the journey i went on i've turned it into a program
0: yeah kind of and it, and it is kind of like sometimes the way that we move forward is, you know and the way that we help others it becomes that you know what was our scab Mm. Uh, where we couldn't help because you know i had amy porterfield says years ago but we couldn't help because we're still picking at it, yeah. it to our scar, and our scar gives us empathy mm. which enables us because you're a coach and you're you trained in uh yeah. rapid reprogramming rapid yeah, yeah i i knew it. it was i i was like i need to get the, the name right <laughs> <So> you've got <laughs> those program. skills as well that you can support people
1: with. yeah exactly and it's a it's a complete way of retraining the brain But from a coaching perspective, you know, sort of Mm. forward facing, because a lot of people with certain anxieties, it's not actually from a trauma. Mm. That's, I mean, I could tell you where my sleep came from. I was seven years old, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and then my brain went for no reason. And all the therapists were like, "There's nothing. There's no trauma to work through here." You know, it's just what your brain was programmed. And so, actually, all the coaching for my specific type of anxiety, all the coaching modalities, were the most beneficial because it was just about reprogramming my mind forward-facing um yeah that that sort of approach to things so yeah that's sort of what I'm going to be doing I think going forwards into the into the autumn is uh, working on that
0: just in a summary really what's mm. been really lovely about this chat is it's this it's this it's this journey and I think that that is really helpful for everybody to recognize that there will be a journey when they're when they're looking at dealing with anything um especially to do with the mind you know and you said at one point if you don't have your mind you don't have anything and I think that's so true like we talk about health as well but it's mental health as well as physical health and we know those two are very very connected um and then now that you're supporting people and helping people in this field using your skills as a coach and a therapist so, how can people find out a bit more about you and what you do?
1: So, best places I would say is go check me out on Instagram, Laura Taylor Coaching. Um, and if you are you want to have a chat with me about um, your, in, in specifically in this instance, kind of sleep anxiety, um, mm-hmm. if you want to kind of ask me some questions about that process, then drop me an email. We put obviously put it in the show notes, but info at laurataylorcoaching.co.uk. Um, and uh, we can have a chat you know no strings attached but just to kind of see if I can help you what questions you have um, about sort of working together
0: that's Amazing. sort of where I'm
1: at with that sleep
0: journey at the moment thank you so much Laura my pleasure thank you for having me I'm sure like me you can probably resonate with Laura we know how important sleep is for our mental well-being and our physical well-being and having sleep and anxiety must really be a challenging place to be because we know how important sleep is. And, you know, sometimes all of the messages that we get from a well being perspective cannot be useful. And this is really one of the things that I would take away from this that it is about your experience and it is about you looking at what does and doesn't work for you. We know, for example, CBT can be highly effective for lots of people. We also know if you're neurodivergent, it may not be as useful at all. So when you're thinking about where you are in terms of your well-being, remember that there is an element of personalization. And I'm very much of the opinion that Laura shared that when we actually acknowledge and feel and look at things, we can often get the best outcomes. I hope that you've got some practical things that you can take away so that you can feel better. If you have enjoyed this episode or if you've got any feedback at all for me, hop on over to Insta, find me at Ruth Kidsey, and drop me a message. I will be delighted to talk to you. Take care.